Welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor, and coach. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing news stories, along with the ethos that you are never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. On this episode, I'm joined by all-round entertainer Alfie Joey. Alfie is an artist, actor, writer, presenter, singer, impressionist, and now communication coach. The course of his career is included years as a presenter on BBC Radio Newcastle, featuring in popular sitcoms and appearing on Britain's Got Talent. His audition as one half of the Mimic Men has over 3 million views on YouTube. Alfie has such expansive experience and an infectious enthusiasm, which we're all lucky to hear on this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Good morning, Alfie. So excited for this. Very excited because I've been listening to this podcast regularly since it started. And I I don't know why I've just been drawn into it because there's a lot of podcasts out there. And there's only so many you can listen to it. I love it. It's great. Thank you. No? Well, coming from you, I am very flattered. Thank <laughs> you. But it is probably down to the amazing guests like yourself that I have on the show. You do have great guests, but I think it's the theme as well. Yeah. It's the theme. I'm I'm thinking of uh, starting one called Formidable Over 50. Yes. I don't know where well, I got I'm that 50, idea. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it together. We'll do it together. Double yeah. act. So I've given a bit of a. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a overview of to who you are. Would you like to share with the guests a little bit more about you? Yeah, I think, how do I think of myself? I suppose as uh, an all-rounder, um, a jack of all trades, a master of none, uh, a, a con man who <laughs> just, con man. just keep moving or you get found out, Sarah. So that's, that, that's what I think I've done. I suppose I do look back very occasionally. I don't look back very often, but when I do... It's usually with surprise and I think, oh, I've ended up doing 10 years in comedy when I've done 10 years in comedy and then I ended up getting into radio and did 10 years in radio and then the last five years I've been drawn pictures mm. and it's in, in blocks. Yeah. If you concentrate it down, it's sort of, there's a bit of shape to it. But generally when you when you read that out, I was thinking, oh, I'm dizzy listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a, there is. But again... I didn't do lots of things mm. till later on. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't write a book till I was in my 50s or draw properly till mm. I was in my 50s. Mm. I didn't do comedy till I was in my 30s. I didn't go on the radio till I was in my 40s. Right. So mm. it seems I've done a lot, but yeah. I'm a late start. I didn't become a dad till I was in my 40s. Yeah. So it's all quite late for me. That's amazing. And and yeah, I've got to talk about your art. I mean, there's so much I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But your art, I mean, you say you've only really come into that mm. In sort of your 40s. Was it your 40s? Yeah, late 50s. 50s. Do you know, I'll tell you exactly where it was because you know the Entrepreneurs Forum. Brilliant. And I used to host one of their conferences, and I still do every year. My favourite gig because you get to speak to interesting people all day. Mm. And you're the ringmaster and you've got the best seat in the house (laughs) and you you forget you've got all that audience there because you're drawn in. It's brilliant. So I didn't want to lose the gig. So I'd always do something different at the beginning of, of the day. So one day, one year I sang a song, I think, and one year I did some impressions and another year I did something else. And I was running out of ideas and I thought, I'll, I'll draw some pictures. Uh-huh. And I hadn't drawn pictures. But, so I did a couple of cartoons, gave them to the AV people and they put them on the screen. And two people at that meeting separately 
got in touch with me. One of them said, I've got an art gallery. Do you want to come and see it? Uh-huh. I said, I'd love to. I love art. So I go down, meet him. I wonder what he wants to see me for. And I go around the Northeast Art Collective. It's this little warren of corridors. And in one room, you'll have animals. In another room, you'll have portraits and shipyards. And I'm loving it. And he went, there's an empty wall here for you. Wow. And I went, I, I can't draw. I, I haven't got anything. I said, I've got nothing yeah. done. Yeah. He went, well, you better get cracking. <laughs> better sharpen your pencil. And I didn't. And, and <laughs> I'd never on. finished anything, you know, in 30 years since mm. I was at school, really. Mm apart from the odd cartoon here and there. And at the same meeting, another fellow got in touch with me and said, would you draw us a cartoon? And I thought, I'd love to draw you a cartoon. So he says, well, we'll have a meeting. The meeting was at NE1 offices. And I thought, it's a bit grand for a cartoon. Anyway, I go up this lift into this boardroom, these people file in. I'm thinking, for a blooming cartoon. Uh And they all sit down. And the fellow says to me, so you're going to design the cover of our magazine? (laughs) And I went, yeah. Now, I'd, I would have said no if they'd asked me that. Yes. So there's so much luck in what I've done. There's so many, you know, turns in the road where I've just luckily gone the right way. Yeah. I'd, and without those two people at that one meeting where I was running out of ideas, I might not have drawn kids' books. I might not have spent the best part of a couple of weeks ago in loads of schools yeah. doing World Book yeah, Day. So, yeah. Luck, fortune. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? How it's an idea as if the universe is saying, I can't let you waste that yes. talent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you put it like that, possibly. Yeah. I do think you make your own look and your, your hard work is yes. the only thing that leads to anything in the end. Yes. So you can have a bit of talent or you can have a bit of, you know, skill. But mm. really what, what people I think always underestimate and I sometimes fall short on when people ask me advice and that's the bit yeah, I think I should emphasise more mm. is the amount of hard work that goes into anything, whether it's radio, mm. podcasting, running a business, yeah. art, the amount of work it takes yes. is the bit that people forget. So there's a golfer, isn't there, called Gary Player, and he says the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, right. I think you and I are testament to that, yes. aren't we? And and I think anyone, anyone who's achieved anything, <laughs> yeah. I think it's work. It's nearly always work. I'm, I'm very, very interested in that whole subject yeah. about the myth of talent mm. because so many people say to me, you're so talented, you're so talented, but it's worth nothing yeah. you know michael jordan doesn't score any any baskets without or win any tournaments yeah. or win any medals without loads and loads Standard of hard hard shooting. work and missing loads yeah that's, that's so that's true and that's it and that's why i look at all these phenomenally successful people and when people say oh they're so lucky mm. i think i want to just shout out for them and say yes they, they may be lucky yeah. yeah i'm sure they are there's an element of it but never underestimate how hard they've worked never underestimate the journey they've been on and this is what this podcast mm. is very much about i'm so disappointed sometimes mm. in social media and the the shiny laminate yeah. sort of life it portrays so many people to be living and that it's, you know, um, success is just so easily given. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a, a dreadful impression for our next generation coming on and puts them under so much pressure. So I hope that they'll listen to this and listen to the interviews. And also I often think that even some people in our generation tend who are feeling stuck yeah. tend to just look at the destination of other people, mm. of where they are now, and they maybe don't understand the journey they've been on yes. to get where they are. And that's why I have a wonderful guest like yourself who can share 
the whole story. I always say it's like, I want it to be like two friends having coffee in a coffee shop and they're chatting about their life and someone's eavesdropping on the mm. other table and they're sitting there feeling so, stuck and they're feeling a bit sorry for themselves and thinking, oh, I, I just kind of see a way forward. And then they hear these people mm. having a chat. and, and they It think, makes it possible. Yeah, and they're yeah. thinking, God, if those two can do it, I'm sure I can. Absolutely. And that's what the ethos of this yeah. podcast is. So what I wanted to ask you is, it's called Formidable Over 40. Mm-hmm. What does Formidable Over 40 mean to you? As I say, I've, I'd never, I'm a very late starter. I didn't, because I, I, I trained to be a priest and I trained to be a monk. And yes. I did all that till I was 30. Yeah. I, I never kissed a girl till I was 30. Uh-huh. Um, I'd never done a comedy gig till I was 30. Mm-hmm. I'd never done, you know, radio till I was 40. I didn't have a child till I was 40. Mm-hmm. I never wrote a book or drew a cartoon till I was 50. So, yeah. so it, there's a, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's That's it. It's never too late. No. I'm I'm the latest starter in nearly everything where I come across other people yeah. in other professions. And I and I look at them and think, oh, they've they've been going for quite a while. I'm older than them. Mm. Will it be okay? And you know what it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean I think that's it. I think there's a lot of people seem to think that, you know, they, they can't reinvent themselves mm. in midlife. This is it. This is, it's just, this is how it's got to be. And I think they get they do get mm. stuck, don't they? They yeah. get on that whirring wheel. Well, I said to a pal of mine the other day, and again, I've heard this somewhere else. This was the the fella who's in Brooklyn Nine-something. It's a comedy thing. He's a, a big actor. He's really funny. Terry Crews. Mm. And he said, now is all we've got. Yes. Mm-hmm. This bit now. Yeah. You can do something with this now. Yes. So, so that kills that argument that it's too late. Because yes. you've got now. I know. And if you take action now and you yeah. do something about it now, it'll happen. Yes. Make it happen. Take yeah. action now. And that's so true. And that's, again, this is the message, isn't it, that we want we want people to yeah. to, to grasp. Well, I think young, especially young people, you, you have no concept of time. You think, well, this is all going to last forever mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter and there's no sense of urgency. I said to my son the other day, what, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be a YouTuber, Dad. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know what you've got to do to be a YouTuber? He said, what? I said, make some YouTubes. <laughs> you've not made any. Oh, I've got plenty of time, Dad. Uh-huh. Plenty. I said, but if you start making them now, yeah. imagine how much easier it'll be if you've got a bank of them when you actually need to earn money from them. Mm. He's mm-hmm. 12. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> and and I'm, not, I'm not one of these pushy dads, uh-huh. but I just had to make that message to uh-huh. him because he, he thinks it'll all just magically happen. I yeah. think a lot of people in his school and his age do. Yeah. And that's, again, that's what I think going back to social media. I think it's been portrayed to make it look, in some instances, oh, yeah. it's made to look like it's easy. Yes. You know, especially the the Lamborghinis and the, these, the Bitcoin lot and yeah. all that. It's just fake. You it's, know, a lot yeah. of it's fake. Of course and, it is. And dangerous to a point it, it, as yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And impressionable yeah. for, the, for that next that next generation mm. coming on, isn't it? So we've kind of got a handle on formidable over 40 Alfie. Yes. But what was he doing when he was 15? <laughs> and what were, what in, in his younger years, what were his hopes and aspirations what were his hobbies well 15 for me i was at seminary trained to be a priest uh-huh. and it's something i'd wanted to do from the age of seven and i wasn't from a strong catholic family my dad was was catholic but he didn't go to church my mom wasn't catholic and yet i just wanted to be a priest yeah it's very bizarre looking back it's like looking at somebody else's life uh-huh. you know and then and i went away to this like a hogwarts for uh, priest wizards right and uh, <laughs> 
and and I thought that's all I would ever want to be. But all the time I was doing that, I was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I was in plays. Uh-huh. I was getting, doing comedy. I was writing sketches. I was all I was drawing pictures, and but it was more conceivable from a pit village where I'm from yeah. that you could train to be a priest. Then you know you you would have been left out the village if you said you were going to be in show business. Yes, wasn't yeah. a, a possibility. It wasn't yeah. even you know something somebody aspired to um, mm. from where I was from. But it wasn't quite as odd going away to be a priest. Yeah. So yeah. that's all I thought I would ever be. Yeah, I, I look back and I carry, and that's all I was till I, I trained. I was nearly ordained a priest and then left to become a brother in a religious order. Yeah. So I did that for another five years till I was. Nearly 30. Two things happened that got me out of that and believing that there was another another possibility. One of them was, you know, Morkman Wise? Yes. Mm-hmm. So Morkman Wise had a writer who wrote all of their stuff, Eddie Braben. Right. He's great, one of the great comedy writers of all time. He's the and in Morkman Wise. So you think of any Morkman Wise joke, like, he'll never sell ice creams going at that speed. Mm. He wrote that. Yeah. He, he was a brilliant writer. Anyway, yeah. I was a school chaplain in Liverpool and his nephew, Eddie Braben's nephew, Stuart, was getting married and he said, will you be my best man? I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to be your best uh-huh. man. He said, Uncle Eddie's going to be there. I said, what, Eddie Braben? He said, but he never laughs. Uh-huh. He doesn't laugh. I said, right, okay. I went to her, I thought, I'm going to make Eddie Braben laugh if it kills me. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm no longer doing the speech for Stuart and Jane. I'm doing a speech for Eddie Braben. Uh-huh. I, did, I had hats and wigs. I did impressions. I had a, a cassette with backing tracks and everything. I did Best Man Speech, the musical <laughs> of Stuart and Jane's life, but all, with all these impressions and and putting the wigs on and everything. And Eddie Brayman led a standing ovation, Eesh. came over to me, shook me hand, and um, he took some photographs of it as well, which I got sent later. And he said, he was a scouser, what do you do, son? I said... I'm a, I'm a monk, <laughs> for want of a better word. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, forget that, show business. <laughs> and and that, honestly, uh-huh. wouldn't leave me head. I went, yeah. Eddie Braven said it's possible because nobody where I'd been from had Thought ever... Thought it could be possible. Yes, yes uh-huh. and I didn't think it was... At yeah. all possible. It's uh-huh. not a career. Yeah. It's not a career. And then I thought, wow. And then I was still in the order and I went to London to do a degree because mm. it was a, a teaching order and you taught poor kids and poor areas and stuff. So go to London and I was doing a drama course and we did a module in stand-up comedy. Right. And um, uh, Angelo Sepathimu, I, I lived with him. He's on Shooting Stars. Uh-huh. And everything. Alan Carr did the is same it? course. Really? Same, we're in the same year. <laughs> And um, I did this course and it blew my mind. Yeah. And I thought, that's that's what I want that's to do. That's for me. And then I went and told Father John who, and, uh, uh-huh. and that was it. And how took did about, they take it when you said you were going? They were brilliant. They were, they were absolutely brilliant. But it took about a year, you know, to really make because that's all I'd ever done. Yeah. It's all I'd ever known. And it was a bit like... Very different. Oh, like leaving I mean, the... Ar- I went crazy after, you know, <laughs> I'd never been to a nightclub or, you know, not properly yeah, or any yeah. of that sort of stuff. So I'd missed the 18 and 21-year-old sort mm-hmm. of crazy years and all that. And that happened to me when I when I left the order, really, yeah. just for a, a short while. But they were great. The order looked after me. And Father John, I remember him saying, we're not like normal people. Uh-huh. He, he said, take some money out of petty cash. And because uh, we was of our poverty, he had yeah, no money or yeah, anything. Yeah. He said, um, and buy some clothes like normal people wear. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, get some glasses and um, get your, your teeth done. Uh-huh. Go to the, he said, try and look 
like normal people because I was uh-huh. with these students, but I sort of was wearing second-hand clothes and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So I remember going to Wembley Market thinking, what do students wear? Uh-huh. Ah, I'll get some yellow jeans. <laughs> so I, I looked like a children's entertainer, but I looked re- wacky uh-huh. and ridiculous. But I was trying to look like them. I looked even worse because <laughs> I was trying to uh, change to be like them. But anyway, the, the, the students were great and the order were brilliant with this transition because it mm. was it did send me absolutely yeah. mad. Such a, yeah. I mean, it couldn't nearly yeah. be more of a completely opposite yes. life. Could it, it was really? noisy. It was, I can remember yeah. the noise of it because the tranquility of being in a religious order yeah. and the rhythm and the routine of getting up really early and going into a church and chapel and praying and every day at the same time for mm. years, year and year, all you ever did. And then you'd have mass and then you'd all go to breakfast and it was yeah. all quite calm and civilised. Yeah. Then I went to this university where it was all, all crashing random. and loud and, and it was just, it sent me a bit bonkers. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Goodness me, what a what a journey. Yeah. Eh? It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's like looking back on somebody else's life. It's yeah. so different to now, but brilliant. I loved it. It was a... I cannot think of any other, you know, sphere of life where I would have encompassed so many fascinating encounters. You know, I spent a year going prison visiting in Franklin and Durham prison and I spent time in hospices and hospitals Mm -hmm. and years doing chaplaincy work in schools and with, you know, where people relied on you or Mm -hmm. talked to you and let you in and confided in you and it was was a real insight in all these very different worlds. Yeah, goodness. That helped the radio show when I got into the radio. I was just going to say that would be, because I I wanted to mm, get onto that next really and you must have, like you said, you've spoken to some fascinating people. And the radio must have introduced you to some fascinating oh, guests as well. Absolutely. Are there any particular memorable guests or conversations that really left an impression or, you know, stand mm. out? The the rude people usually. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to know? The rude people, yeah. Of course I do. Of course you do. Of course I do. Turn these mics off. No, yeah. keep them on. So, <laughs> I, it's funny because um, I remember when I, I got offered the breakfast show on the radio, one of the... Uh, sort of hard-bitten journalists at the BBC said, what do you know about journalism? Because uh-huh. I wasn't a journalist. Uh-huh. And I felt like I said, what do you know about show business? <laughs> but all of those different jobs I'd had or insights yeah. d- made me come at it from a different angle. So I did have interesting chats with lots of people. Uh-huh. I, I enjoyed, I think, politicians right. more than... Because I wasn't a qualified journalist. I really tried. I think I overcompensated and I over-researched and I watched all of the news programs and I read all of the stuff and I listened to all the podcasts. So I was always over-prepared, really. I interviewed Keir Starmer three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, did half an hour during COVID with just me and him in a studio. Mm-hmm. And it was very unusual, you know, it was just yeah. very strange because sometimes they're armed with about 20 people yes. with all swiping the phones and yeah. everything, looking over the shoulder. And um, it was very different. I suppose they said never meet your heroes. And occasionally I would, you know, it, it sounds daft, but people like Steve Davis. I was going to say, I love heroes. snooker. Yeah. I love snooker. And I'm there going, it's Steve Davis. Uh-huh. He texted me. He only, he only said yes uh, <laughs> but it doesn't to, to matter. a meeting, but he text. texted me. <laughs> and then you get the disappointments, the ones that you think are going to be yeah. good. And you do Oscar winners or singers and you think, oh, wow, can't wait to chat yeah. with these people. And they're a bit flat or they're uh-huh. not bothered. And, you, you know, yeah. I did a, a Colin Firth. He won the Oscar mm-hmm. for um, Queen's, King's Speech yeah. and uh, he was, he's a bit boring. Yeah. Um, didn't make much of an effort. Jerry Halliwell, I used uh-huh. to love Jerry. Yeah, Excuse me. 
favourite Spice Girl. Not bubbly at all. Made no effort. Um, And I don't mind saying that because I just think that's rude. And I wouldn't be rude. I've never been rude in anyone's podcast. Or you wouldn't expect that, would you? When you see them, you expect oh, absolutely, the crack will be great there. Yeah, um, (laughs) there are some really regularly rude people who Uh I just I would just spread the word and say don't let them on your show because they're just rude. Uh But generally, you know, very lucky to have interviewed so many brilliant people. David Mm -hmm. Dimbleby, Uh I interviewed uh, him and he he was really nice and kind to me and Uh uh, generous. Um, This is going to be a bit weird. I've never said Uh this, Uh but I think it's um, a strong message really. Mm. But around the same time, I interviewed Rolf Harris, Uh Max Clifford and Stuart Hall. Right. And they were all utterly charming. And and we later found out that that was their weapon. Yes. But all of them mm-hmm. used my name yeah. as if they knew me. Huh? Um, two of them said, do you want us to do a bit more? Do you want me to do some voiceovers? They yeah. couldn't have been more generous and yeah. charming. Uh-huh. And and I came away fused about how brilliant they were. And yes. then we found out later they were distinctly horrible human Traits beings. And, of narcissists. Yeah, but that's what they were skilled at, yeah. charming people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the trait yeah. of narcissists, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. Scary people. Very scary. They are but, um, scary. Yeah. So, obviously, well, not obvious because not everyone might know, but Alfie, you left the radio last year. I did. And would you like to share with our listeners what you're doing now? Right. Well, I'd, again, two lucky encounters, two lucky conversations I had. So I decided to leave. There's lots of things I wanted to do, and I had a, a big opportunity at the Customs House Theatre, Ray Spencer, MBE. He was a fantastic. He's a pillar of the South Tyneside community, has mm. been for years. He's done so much. And he asked me if I would do the set design yeah. and I would do the costume design and I would be in the pantomime. And that was my way out. Yes. But I had to think beyond that mm. and think, what do I do? I can't just do that and then then guess what. Yeah. And very luckily, I was a guest on someone else's podcast, mm-hmm. um, Martin Wardle, who runs a podcast called Business Stuff. Right. You'd be a great guest for it. Right. <laughs> and, and Martin was really good, um, asked me good questions and everything. But when the interview stopped, he said, what's your business plan mm. for what's next? I oh, uh, haven't really got one. And he went white. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's it, not what I well, wanted he, to hear. <laughs> he asked me a few questions and I could see he was scratching around and he said, I, I really, it, I'm grateful for you doing the podcast, yeah. but I think you really need to do some business planning. And he, he works for Robson Laidler and he gave me an afternoon of his own time right. and it, it absolutely blew my mind. But just before the session, I had a conversation with Ivan Hollingsworth. Again, someone else who I've interviewed over the years, time and again, about his son Seb and about his fight to keep that heart unit open that saves little children's lives. And he's brilliant, Ivan. And he told me about something. He reads lots of inspirational books and courses and he's great with podcast advice and recommendations. And he said that your core offering can be found with this little exercise. So he gave, talked me through this little exercise, said, try it. So I tried it and you write down your, your, where you've had results and what you've achieved and you look at it and magically out of these pages, come the things that you are best at. Yeah. And it's a struggle at first to fill the pages and you think, oh, I don't really think I'm good at that. I don't think I'm good at anyway. You start filling these pages and then this core offering came out and I thought, I've been chatting to people for 40, 30 years. Yes. I've been using my voice in many different ways, whether it was giving sermons, yeah. 
whether it was behind a comedy mic, whether it was on the radio. So I didn't realise I'd been a communicator full time in lots of very different ways. And I've recently joined the the PSA, the Public Speakers Association, but that's quite a prescriptive route. It's quite a presentation-led slides kind of talk style. And I thought, oh, maybe my niche could be the many different ways people could speak publicly, I could coach. Yes. Because I'm not great with slides, I'm not great with technology, yeah. but that's only one way to talk. Yes. There's lots of other ways to talk. Yeah. So that's it. I've set myself up as a communication coach, yeah. public skills advisor, and I'm, I'm getting work in that that yeah. I didn't think I would get and requests. Yesterday, I coached someone to do an impression of Mrs. Brown from <laughs> Mrs. Brown's Boys. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Bizarre. God, but, how, but, how, how, how the bloody left yeah, field's that? A very left field. <laughs> and it's so someone could win a bet for charity. Really? So how good's that? Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, bizarre. And and a couple of other requests that I didn't think it would be covering that ground, but I'm happy to help. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting. It's when you put so yourself exciting. out there, yeah. you think, oh, this might happen. It would be good if that happens. And then something comes from somebody else. Well, I didn't expect that. And that's yeah. what makes it exciting and varied. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. It keeps you on your toes, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. And that's, what, yeah. that's, that's the thing, being kept yeah. on your toes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there could be listeners out there, mm-hmm. hopefully, listening Hiya. to this. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, by no, they've got so much mm. to share. Yeah. But there's a lot of people don't feel confident oh, yeah. talking. Yeah. You know, a lot of people worry about what what will people say. Mm. And they've, and yet, you know, they've got great stories to tell. Oh, absolutely. And to share. And they're really interesting people. But they're just, for whatever reason, they feel stuck. And yeah. they can't get it out. What would you say to those people? Well, first of all, it's not just normal, I would say, to get nervous. Mm. It's necessary to get right. nervous. I think if you're not nervous, you don't care. Mm. And you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be letting near a microphone. Yeah. Um, Frank Sinatra got nervous. Uh-huh. Frank Sinatra, to me, is the best entertainer yes. ever lived. Mm. And his daughter recently, again, on a podcast, said, my, my dad was always nervous right mm. up to the end. Mm. He's Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Frank Sinatra. But it's normal to get nervous. Yeah. So that's fine. Nerves are fine. I think usually people do need a bit of encouragement because it is it is daunting. And it is I still get nervous. But you I I flip things round and try and remind myself that it's a privilege. Yeah. And it's brilliant to do. Yes. And it's it's exciting. And also Usually, if you're giving a talk, it's because you're the expert. Yes. But people want to hear your story. Yeah. And only you can do that. That's right. So if people have asked you and you say, I can't do that. Well, you probably can because it's your story. It's yeah. your expertise. Yes. So yeah. if you're sitting on a story thinking, I don't know if I can tell this, you definitely can. Yeah. You just need the right encouragement. How would this start? I think basically, like with everything, practice. Mm-hmm. Practice, write it down, feel comfortable. Completely depends with what what you're doing, whether Mm. you're doing a a stand-up comedy gig, whether you're doing a presentation, whether it all depends, I think, on the material and the style and who you're going to have in front of you. Yeah. Because I think one one of the mistakes people make is they deliver the same talk in the same way to everyone Mm. under all circumstances. I've seen this in comedy. It's It's a bizarre thing to see. I won't mention this person, but a very well respected comedian. I did a gig with him. In Manchester, and it went so well. 
It was unbelievable in this mm. big cabaret room and it went so well. And the bar staff's eyes were popping <laughs> out of their heads. I was laughing my head off. And the next night, all the bar staff who'd seen him yeah. told all the other bar staff, get out of here. We're all going out to watch him. Yeah. And they all come out to watch him. And he died a horrible death. Oh. And one of the, the bar staff said to me, What's what happened? happened He's doing exactly the same thing he did last night. Uh -huh. I went, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. He's not he's not addressing it. He's not changed anything. Mm. He's not real. Sometimes every audience is different. Script. Every, you've got to look mm. at the audience. You've got to think uh -huh. they're not they don't want this. I've got to just tweak it or address it. Mm. And he didn't. And uh -huh. he just he just phoned in the same thing and he just didn't recognised as a live situation because mm -hmm. that's what a, a speaking gig is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And have you ever suffered from nerves or from lack yes. of self-confidence? Like, like, you know, that's, has there anything ever sort of not, it obviously never mm. held you back, but has have you ever had a particular experience where you thought, oh, just, you know, the, don't know if I can All do the time. The amount of times, nearly everything I've ever done mm. was from a starting point of, well, I can't do that. Yeah, whether yeah. it was, I remember going to see stand up comedy when I was thinking of doing stand up comedy and thinking, well, I can never do that. Mm. I think I could manage doing it in a pub, but I can't do Jonglers. Mm -hmm. Jonglers is a massive comedy club. Yeah. I can't do that. And yes. a few years later, I was doing it. And you were doing it. <laughs> um, and the same with every single thing. I can't do a pantomime. I went to tell Ray, I can't. I can't do your pantomime set. I've come to give you the courtesy of the conversation, but there's no way I can do that. Yes, you can. Mm. And he talked me into it. The same with absolutely everything I needed talking into. Yes. Drawn, cartoons, anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, honestly, I, always, I just think, mm. you know, for what you've done and how, how diverse mm. your career has been. But what I've noticed with you is that everything you've done, you, you've brilliant at you, well, you, you know what I mean? You are. It's like it's not like you've been a jack of all trades and a master of none. Everything you've done, you are brilliant well, at. I, I don't see it that way. I, I can only see the flaws and I can only see, isn't it funny? Uh, so I look and I think of, you know, my mates who've gone on to do stand-up on the telly and, I've, and I look at artists who I think, well, I can't draw that good. So I, I just think of myself as being jack of all trades and master of none, but I'm yeah. very happy at the, the levels I've got yeah. to. I don't have that sort of, I, I think I don't have that killer desire to follow any one path. I'm quite and my excitement is finding new paths and new things and yes. trying to conquer new little hills instead of one big Everest. Oh, that sounded good, didn't, didn't it? I never, say, never said that before. <laughs> we'll play it back Keep so write it down. <laughs> I'll be listening. Now, let's talk about your TEDx talk. Yes. Yeah, How yeah. did that come about? Tell, tell the listeners all well, about it. Well, it tells the story, basically, of people who get stuck because I was coming across a lot of people, especially at the BBC, where I yeah. think it's you're not you're not sweeping roads. You, it's the BBC. You, you mm. basically when you whittle down to what people do. Where I was at the BBC, you are finding stories and making them more interesting mm. and getting them out there. Yeah. That's it. When you whittle it down, uh -huh. that's a great job, isn't it? Yeah. You would think, but the amount of people who just were thoroughly miserable or didn't like it or it was badly led in certain circumstances and to make it not fun. And you think this should be simple and you should, but the people who are just hanging on mm -hmm. to get a pension. Drifting along. Drifting along yeah. in, in a job that is, I would have thought, pretty comfortable. Yeah. And one, one guy who, who worked there, I think he posted it on his Facebook page, forget about the tension, think about the pension. And I'm thinking, oh. what a 
sad. What a oh, what a yeah. tough living yeah, for your yeah, pension. Because a you might not get there. Yeah. You might cark it before that, uh-huh. but also you might get there and look back and think I sat in that job for twenty years and I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Now I know it's all right for me. Um, because people tell me all the time, it's all right for you. I bet you get people saying oh, that to you all, all the time. time. I've, all the I've time. written a big thing about that. Yeah. It's all right for you because yeah. you're happy. It's all right for you mm-hmm. because you've got a job you like. It's all right for you. But the work that goes into oh, making it like that yeah. is is the unseen bit. Mm-hmm. So I decided that was the theme for me talk. And then I realised my expertise, if I've got one, mm-hmm. is that I have changed jobs lots of times yeah. as we chatting mm. about so it was how to jump from one job to the other and it's not always easy and sometimes there is a you know a risk involved yeah. and, and I think what I probably didn't make clear enough in the talk were two things how hard you must work to achieve these things mm. and to move from one to the other and also how much of a safety net I think I built between the jumps yes. so I would always you know, not be as reckless, mm. but there's still got to be a risk involved. Mm-hmm. And um, but how much worthwhile it is. Mm. And that talk has come back time and again. I think it was 2018 I did that mm. TEDx talk at the Sage in Gateshead. Mm. And the amount of people who've watched it and come back to me yeah. recently. I've had two people said they've, they've mm. changed jobs or mm-hmm. taken a leap. Got out and the middle lane. Yes. They've stopped being stuck uh-huh. and being that annoying middle lane driver. Annoying middle lane yeah, driver. Yeah, we, we all see them. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what's next? Well, I'm trying to be focused and just do three things. Mm. They are quite broad umbrellas. So, I'm, the art is one because that's really important to me. I absolutely love it. And that includes drawing the pantomime sets again for mm. next year. And it also involves. Uh, drawn children's books. I'm loving that. Mm. It's very time consuming. And it must have been great going into the schools for. Oh, you must have total loved that. joy. Yeah, You've drawn the teachers. Kids. The kids love it. I was drawing the teachers and brilliant, uh-huh. yeah. brilliant. Uh-huh. And and there's an exercise I do with kids and adults. I'll say to, mm. I'll say to the kids, put your hand up if you can draw. Uh-huh. Ten year olds, every one of them. Uh-huh. And I do it with adults, and nobody puts their hand oh. up. How sad is uh-huh. that? Yeah. They could all draw when they were 10. Uh-huh. Feels, but now they don't feel what like happens? they can. What happens? Mm-hmm. And they can. And I do a little exercise yeah. to uh-huh. prove that they can. Mm-hmm. So that's one. The other one is live events. I'm hosting them again and mm-hmm. hosting charity balls and auctions and things like that, you which seem, I like I mean, doing. I'm watching you on LinkedIn. You're in, that, you're in your suit every day. Yes, I've got... <laughs> you, seem, you seem as if you're, you're all over the show. <laughs> I've got a green one this, this weekend. It's the, the oh. Shamrock Ball for a very good come up for three very good charities. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I like doing that. It's, yeah. it's very good. Uh, but also I want to do more communication coaching mm. and keynote speaking yes. because I've spent a lot of time being the guy who was there all day sort of comparing or mm-hmm. two or three days and I, I love doing that I think I can I know how to do that and I love it but it's very time consuming and you've got to do all the preparation you've got to know everyone's story whereas when you're the keynote speaker yeah. you go in you do 20 minutes or 40 minutes and and you're done so I would all like to move on to being that person or coaching people to be that person. Yeah, and, so and I think you'll be that's, absolutely that's the new bit. amazing. I think I better Thank come you. to you for some tips. You don't need I better any come. coaching. I think I'll be knocking on your door. Very good. Knocking on your door. Nothing to teach you. Now, that is generous of you to mm. say so. Now, not the darker side of the mm. show, but there's a lot of people suffered from adversity in their yeah. life. And that adversity, sometimes they can cling to. 
and they can't necessarily feel as if they can shake it off. So they live in the past a lot and they get stuck. Would you say there's ever been any adversity that you've had to face? And if so, how have you managed to push through that and sort of to give them some advice of of how to get through that? Yeah, I think, again, a lot of people say it's all right for you, you don't get down, it's all right for you, you're always happy. And it, that's not true. I you know, they said that to Robin Williams. Exactly. And well, there you, know, you, there you go. Real there's sad, the real absolute example. Think about him all the time. Yeah. Yeah, how much did he suffer? Gosh. And he had all these illnesses that yes. people didn't know Never about. Never knew. Hid behind a smile, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I do think I generally have a very upbeat disposition. Mm. And I think I'm very, very lucky in that. Yeah. Uh, however, one thing that kept coming up during COVID when I was on the radio was this message that I initially thought was brilliant mm. and really important. Mm. And and I said it a lot on the radio at the time. And now I'm not so sure. And that is, it's okay to be not okay. Mm. Now, I think that's all right as a starting point. Mm. However, I think it has to come with but get help and move on. Absolutely. You wouldn't sit around with a broken arm no. and just accept it. It's okay to have a broken arm, yeah. but go and get it fixed. Yeah. And you can do that with your head and you can do that yeah, with your mind. Absolutely. And I know Steve, even Stephen Fry has said, you know, the the, the black dog comes mm. and it, it visits you unexpectedly, but there are things you can do yes. to, to keep it at bay mm. or make things easier. Yeah. And there are things you can get from the doctor and the, the, there are things that you can you can do yeah. generally. So I think there's always a way. There's mm-hmm. always a way. There's always hope if you're canny enough about it and if you get the right kind of help. Yeah. Follow it through. Mm-hmm. Get to the end. Don't stay yeah. stuck in anything, I no. would say, mm-hmm. in where it's where it's not pleasant or anything not. Anything that work doesn't your way make out you happy. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think people are very focused on what they have to have. So they're so busy looking at what it is they need and mm. they want. But I sometimes say to like my coaching clients, I sometimes say to them, look, you know, it might be easy to think about what you don't want. Yeah. And easy to think about what you don't like about things in your life. Yeah. Because then when you take those away, it doesn't make it so hard to think about what it is that you actually like. Mm. You might just be left with what you like. And there's a big thing, isn't there, about balance. People say you have to mm. have these like sort of fixed and solid boundaries in life between being you know, this is work and this is home mm. and you can't blend the two together. Well, I don't live like that, you see. Yeah. Now, I might be wrong and you can all shout at me and write <laughs> into me and tell me that I'm wrong. But I, my, my attitude is, if you love mm. everything you're doing, why do you need to have boundaries to separate it? Yeah. So what I've tried to do in my life is get rid of the things I'm not good at by delegating out to mm. other people. Don't do the things I don't like. Say no more often to certain things. Say yes more often to others. But be present in the situations that I'm in. So if I'm watching William ride, I am totally present in watching him ride. But once he's come out the ring, if I'm in the middle of something with work, I don't see a problem in looking at my email. And I don't have to say for this whole day while I'm in a whole Mm. show, I cannot think about work. And I think that's where it comes to get rid of what you don't like. Yeah. Be present in everything. So if I'm at work, I'm present. Mm. My office door's shut. And if it's an emergency, text me. Otherwise, don't interrupt me because yeah. I'm working. And if I'm walking my dogs, I don't want to look at my phone. And if I'm watching yeah. my son ride, I want to. And I think that people are getting too, I think trying to prevent burnout mm. and trying to create balance is putting people under more pressure because they're trying to live this perfect life that they're being dictated about. And I don't think it's that complicated, do you? No, I and I've got lots of similarities. I've got a, a thing I try and do with my kids. I, I just, uh, at the weekend, if we're going out, 
my kids want to be on their phones mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't yeah. mind. But I, I tend not to take my phone out mm -hmm. just, just for the couple of hours we're out. Yeah. And when we come back, I'll check it. And sometimes I go, you're on your phone. I don't know, it's uh, work. Yeah. It's, uh, also, I'm, I'm built into my life, very luckily, the art, mm. which is everyone, oh, you need, you must meditate, you must relax, you must, well, that's that's my meditation. Mm. So when yeah. when I draw, God. it's become part of my job. You meditated me last night. I was well, watching your painting and I was literally like completely well, just you calm. Can't, you can't you? worry when you're drawing. Uh -huh. You can't think about problems because yeah. you're, you're thinking about getting the line right or mm -hmm. not going over the edge or it's like all these colouring in books and everything. They're, yeah. they're, they're there, they work for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so the art, while it's very time consuming, and also, I can do that in the house, mm. so I'm not going out, no. and the kids know I'm there, and they can they, they don't tend to interrupt me when I'm drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but they don't, uh -huh. they, they just know what I'm doing. Well, that's it. That, that's, yeah, exactly the same. But with I'm me. there. Yeah, you're there, yeah. and it's like me. My mm. office is at home. Yeah. So they know I'm there, mm. but they just let me get on. And if there's an yeah. emergency, I might get a little text. Not that there's, yeah, it's yeah. not really an emergency. Yeah, I must say, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. never really yeah. an emergency. But uh, but yeah, so that's very interesting, mm. though, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's um yeah. So if you're listening, you don't always have to have fixed boundaries. Nope. Chill out a bit. I could talk to you forever. I really could. I, I could be here till seven o'clock tonight just <laughs> chatting to you. You are absolutely fascinating. But we're gonna have yeah. to 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 wrap it up. What I always ask my guests to do is to pay forward mm -hmm. some advice. So for anyone out here who's listening, they're feeling stuck, they might be at the mm. crossroads, and they've listened to your inspiring interview and they've thought, you know what, I want to reinvent my life. Mm. I'm not too old. It's not too late. I can design this life yeah. I love. What would be the what would be the sort of the first thing you would say to them? What what should they do? I would I would actually I would I would follow you follow your dream make mm -hmm. it make it a goal yeah that's how you it, it's no longer a dream mm -hmm. you you set the goal and then you reverse engineer it and you think well how do what do I have to do to make that happen what were the first steps I would have to take and just get stuck in see see how far you get you might not get there you might not fancy it mm -hmm. but give it a go mm -hmm. and if you went if it's something you know you enjoy then you have to, I think it's your duty to give it a go because yeah. you will only regret not trying. Mm. You'll get, you know, what is the worst that can happen? You're trying, it doesn't work. That's far better than getting to the end of your life and looking back and thinking, I should have done that. Yeah. Should have done that. It's so true. I've got this to say in that I want to, I don't really want to mm. do it just yet, just universe yeah. in case you're listening. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I want to lie on my deathbed and go, I'm yeah. glad I did rather than I wished I had. Oh, I like that. That's great. That's absolutely you know, spot glad on, yeah. I did rather than I wished I had because mm. there can't be anything worse. I've just nursed, well, supported my mm. aunt, as I saw you, that, you know, yeah. and she passed away uh, mm. the, um, the other week. And the thing I got from her was the memory she had. She travelled the yeah. world. She'd seen so much. So even though she was lying there on yeah. her deathbed, she had those memories Brilliant. to cherish. And I thought, do you know what? I, if that ever happens to me, because it mm. will one day, I will be mm. in that position, or unless something else happens, yeah. you know, you to have memories, isn't it? Yeah, memories. Yeah, that's is, all is, you're left with. That's yeah. all you've you've got at the uh -huh. end of the day. Yeah. Um, or when you're old and infirm, you look back yeah. is on your memories. Mm -hmm. You can't you 
can't do much else other than watch telly, you know. No. So you will think about the great things that you did yeah. rather than things you didn't do. That's, that is yeah, so do weird. them. Make do the them. most of go your on, time. Go and do it, especially if it's something you enjoy. Yeah, because it waits for no one, does mm. it? Yeah. No. Well, Alfie, all I can do is say thank you. I've been so looking forward to this interview. Pleasure. I've been I, so looking I forward to meeting you. I love the podcast. I'm honest. It's a, thank it's you another so little much. Tick. Oh, that's wonderful. So thank you for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the amazing Alfie for joining us. Head to the show notes to find the links to Alfie's socials. Alfie, where can people find out about you? Just look for my name, Alfie Joey, J-O-E-Y, and you'll find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook and Twitter. Fantastic. So all I can say now is follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please do subscribe, rate and share Formidable Over 40 with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs to hear it. Thank you. Thank you.